You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Singing that last song. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. But, all right, get it together. If you're visiting with us this morning, because I can see we have a lot of visitors, we want you guys to know how excited we are that you're here. We have the good news that we want to share with everybody. We're not a church that just wants to gather together and look at each other and hug each other. We want to share the love of Jesus to everyone in this city. We want everyone to be a part of it. So we're glad you're here, and we want you to experience the good news of Jesus with us today, and we hope that you already have. We're beginning a new series called Jesus Revealed. We're going to be looking at what it means for Jesus to be really the hero of all the stories in the Bible. And we're going to focus on these characters in the Old Testament. And this morning, we're going to look at Noah. So if you have a Bible or you can look on the screen, we're going to start by just reading a verse in the New Testament, one verse that kind of summarizes Noah, Hebrews 11:7. Now, for those of you in here who've studied Noah, obviously we're talking about Four chapters in the Old Testament, this big story, and so we're not going to be able to touch on everything. But I think what we will be able to see this morning is how this Word of God and this story is more than just some cute little children's story. Which actually, if you think of it, how could it be a cute little children's story? All right, tonight, kids, we're going to take some time and sit down and talk about when God destroyed everything in the earth. So right before you go to bed... Let me read to you about how there was only one family that was rescued. Now, good night. Okay? But we all know, right? We've got, it. We've got the little pop-up book, of, pop-up book of Noah. And so I think there's something here for all of us to learn. It's better news, better news than just Noah and his floating zoo. <laughs> Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that Jesus right now pleads our cause, rights our wrongs, breaks our chains, sets us free. It's hard for us to believe that, God, but just thank you it's true. And help us to see that as we go back deep in the Old Testament, that that same gospel good news is there and here this morning for us. Thank you, God, for the the gift of faith, the life of faith. And Lord, we just even now express wholly our dependence on you for everything. So now may your Holy Spirit open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word so that we might see Jesus, so that we might be changed by the Spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I can tell you a lot of stories about me looking stupid, and my wife could too, but I'm going to try to keep it tame. For some reason, I believed when I was young, when I was in elementary school, that I could be a great basketball player. All my other friends were really good, and I was not so good. But I remember working hard. I remember my coaches overhearing them saying, he may not be good, but he has heart. You know, he, he works hard. He believes in what he's doing. Well, everybody else on my team was scoring except me. And I remember thinking, this game, this night is going to be the night when I finally score. 
And so I can remember the rebound right now. I really can. This is not preacher exaggeration. Okay? The ball comes off the rim. And I jump up and I grab this rebound. And I get it and I go right back up. And I mean right off the corner of the square. I mean perfect. The ball goes in and here I go down the court, right? Just got a little strut, you know, got a little grin because I was kind of shy, not wanting to look up in the stands at my parents. But for some reason, nobody else is celebrating. You know why? You've already guessed this. Wrong goal. Wrong goal. I believed in myself. And it ended up making me just look stupid. You know, that, that's how our faith feels sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes faith is stupid. You know, me believing in myself then was stupid. But as followers of Jesus, sometimes our faith can feel really, really ignorant. We're working so hard. We're putting so much heart into it, it feels, and so much, so much effort. And sometimes we wonder, is all of this just shooting in the wrong goal? See, when Moses writes the book of Genesis, we have to remember he's just not writing it into the air. He's not just thinking, I want to keep a journal of what God's told me. No, he's writing this to the people of Israel. The people of Israel who at the time that maybe they were first hearing these stories were in a wilderness. God had given them promises and told them to pursue these promises, told them that they could trust in Him. And then here they were, just wandering around in the desert. It had to feel ignorant, didn't it? It had to feel kind of stupid. And then later on, as Israel would take these stories into their lives and during a time that we call the exile, when they were cast out again from the land, and they would wonder, what in the world are we doing? Should we really trust God when it looks like it, it never amounts to anything? It's always two steps forward, three steps back. What's the old country song? Every time I make my mark, somebody paints a wall. Some of y'all might know that. You see, we, we have to see that God gave them this story, this true story, this account of Noah, so that they could look back and see when it looked as if God's people, even God's person, as it were, were all alone in the world. And it seemed like God was nowhere to be found, that He was faithful. He was faithful. It was a good news, a gospel story that they looked back to. And we have a better gospel story to look back to. But what we're called to do when faith feels foolish is to look back to the gospel so that we can then live forward by faith. We have to learn this. And this text, this story this morning teaches us that. It teaches us that when faith feels foolish, we trust in God even when it seems that the world could care less about God. If you're looking in chapter 6 here, and I didn't even say this, but Genesis 5 through 9 are these texts. We see in Genesis 6, 5, it says this, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you hear that? There's, God looks down on his creation, and that's humanity. Notice verses 11 and 12. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So this is just a sort of little overview of humanity. Evil to the core. Not necessarily as bad as they could be in every way, but in every way that they were, they were tainted, they were tarnished by sin. If you don't already know it, humanity is not basically good. (laughs) You know that. You know yourself, right? You know, for all of our enlightenment progress in this world, we've probably experienced in the century before us one of the most violent ones. And if you doubt me, just go home today and turn on the news. And tell me if you walk away saying, I think people are just basically good. (laughs) Right? We have given more education and thrown more money and done more programs at the problems of evil and towards peace in this world. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing that lasts. The Word of God says here that God looked down and He saw that humanity was full of evil. And it's not just the things that we see. Violence was great on the earth, but evil is in all of us. Particularly in the South, we have to remember that that people who are good old boys are in their heart rebels against God. Bo and Luke Duke, right? Apart from the grace of God, are rebels. This can be overwhelming, but it's just important to see. You think of the Manson family, Charles Manson, right? They had his little group of people. They built this commune. And you know what they did? Well, they took care of each other. They developed a society, a little society there where they cared for each other, even loved each other. But on the side, they murdered people. All right? That's, that's good people today, Right? We figure out how to love each other. We, man, that person needs their tire changed. But we do it all with nothing to the glory of God. We think of a kid who might do all their chores, but in their hearts could care less about their parents. That's people at their best. Some are rebels, some are religious, but we are all those apart from God's grace who give no thanks and acknowledgement to Him. And it's hard to live out A faith in God in a world like that, especially when we see it in our own hearts. Realizing the evil outside of you and the evil inside of you can numb your soul. You feel like, am I the only one who cares? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like my wife, right? Probably feels this way. I know she does. She wants to keep our house clean. And in order. And it feels like sometimes I'm the only one who cares. (laughs) Right? And you know what you want to do in times like that? What do you want to do? You want to quit. You want to just throw up your hands and say, I'm done with it. If I'm the only one who cares about this, it is not worth my time. And this is the stage that Noah is entering. Here is Noah, as it were, against the world. Would it have not just been easy to say, who cares? I'm sick of being the only one who trusts in God and tries to live by faith. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about, and I'm right there with you. How many times have you mentally divorced your spouse? Because you thought, this is not worth it. It's just not worth it. I try and I try and I try, but they just don't care. How many of you have thought, man, I think I could go in hiding from my family totally. I could be gone. I could split town because obviously nobody cares. You don't know how many times as a pastor, and I've only been a pastor here a short time, I've resigned. (laughs) And probably even since I've been here. Right? Doesn't take long. That's it. I can't pull this off. Some of you this morning, you're in a fight club, and you're thinking, nobody cares. Is this even worth it? You're in a missional community, and you're thinking, I'm the only one, obviously, who wants to reach this people group. So why even continue? There's others of you who just go to your jobs at work, and you're like, I'm the only one who's trying to live out my faith. I'm the only one who cares about doing right. Why even bother? Yet we see in verses 8 and 9 here, that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He said, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. How, how do we endure in a world where sometimes it feels like nobody cares? We have to walk with God. We have to be able to see his view of the world, a world that says, yes, I created people in my image and people have dignity and purpose, but yet they're so full of sin. We have to see our lives in light of God's story. You see, if you can't walk with God alone, then I've got news for you. It is going to be hard to live by faith. We are all about community here. And we believe that the faith that you live in Jesus Christ should not be lived alone. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're in a fight club. It doesn't matter if you're in a missional community. It doesn't matter if you're in a marriage. Sometimes you're going to have to live by faith alone and walk with Jesus. And if you're not cultivating that personal walk with God then it is going to be hard to stand because I got news for you and we'll get more to this later. People are going to let you down. You're going to see sin in them that you thought you would never see. But faith isn't foolish. I don't know what I'm doing here. Faith isn't foolish, even if everybody else could care less or couldn't care less because you're not alone. The other thing we see in this text is that faith feels foolish when we might think God could care less about the world. It's one thing to think nobody else cares, but sometimes it feels like God doesn't care. Notice verses 5 through 7, though. says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the evil intentions of his thought was only evil continually. But then it goes on. And the Lord regretted he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to the heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. What we see here is a God who is not off in some distant corner of the universe who could care less. But it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? 
It's not just you're trying hard and it feels like nobody else cares sometimes. Sometimes you're trying hard and it feels like God doesn't care. Why does he not bless our efforts so often as parents? Why does he not seemingly bless our efforts so often as spouses? Why does he not seemingly bless our efforts in fight clubs, in missional communities? God, where are you? Ever feel like that? been easy to feel like that in this situation as the years went on and only evil increased. But notice where God is. Verse 6 says, it grieved him to his heart. You see, God is not just angry at sin. He's broken hearted. I mean, let's be honest. We only grieve over sin if it hurts us or we see it hurts somebody else. But then we, we kind of can think it's funny other times. We think, well, if that sin doesn't really make my life worse that I can see. But God is looking down from heaven and he is weeping over our sin. We look in the world, we watch the news, we look in our children's lives, and sometimes we wonder where God is. And God's Word wants you to hear this morning. God loves you and cares for your family and cares for this world more than we could ever. He's there grieving. He's there as judge. And that's what we see so clearly as well in this story. We wonder where He's at. Why don't you make things right and again, we all like a non-judgmental God, right? And we all like to say, well, truth is only truth because it's true to you until somebody hurts one of your kids, right? Or somebody has a gun to your head and you're like, all right, this is wrong. All right, somebody needs to step in here and judge. We long for a good judge who is wise and who is faithful and we see that as God. We see God not only here grieving and His judge, but planning restoration. This is what so much of these chapters go through that we're, we're not going to read. But we see Noah not only plans the, the, the judgment of the world, but he plans the salvation of the world. Not just of people, but of all the planet. We see Noah called and all the animals. We see that God has a plan that He began in the beginning of Genesis and a plan that He will carry out. That no matter how evil humanity gets, humanity will continue. And God's purpose in this world for His glory will see its end. But we also see that then He is a patient God. In 1 Peter 3.20, it says, God's patience waited in the days of of Noah. Some of you may be thinking, I wish God would just right now eliminate all evil. The hard part about that is, is He'd have to start with you and me. He is a patient and a gracious God. It took some 100 to 120 years for Noah to build this ark. It was a great testimony to the world. And even in Peter, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. God was waiting patiently, loving His creation, hoping that they would see the error of their way. I think of the movie Pinocchio. Hopefully you've seen this, so this will make sense. Geppetto is Pinocchio's father. He's his creator and becomes his father. And Pinocchio decides what? He's just going to strike out on his own, Pleasure Island, 
do his own thing, live his own life. And you just watch that story and you see Geppetto, what is he doing? He goes after his son. I remember he, he, he finds his son dead and he's just weeping at the side of the bed for life to come back into this boy. We have a father who is so much greater than that. He is weeping over the sin in this world. He is weeping over the evil that you experience right now. He is with you and He is for you. So your faith is not foolish. But also faith feels foolish when it totally rearranges our life. Notice down in verse 22. God is calling Noah in this story to do all kinds of things that would totally change his life. You could read through these details. All right, Noah, I want you to build an ark. This was not just some kind of small boat. This was a massive thing. This is not something Noah was going to be able to go complete in an afternoon. Or it wasn't going to be his hobby that he did at nights when he got off work. This was going to be an all-encompassing, over-a-hundred-year project that he was going to have to pour everything in his life into. And we read in verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And notice chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Notice the end of verse 8. As God had commanded Noah. And then in verse 16, as they're closed in the ark with all of the animals that Noah did exactly what God said to do. It said, and those entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him. Noah bases his life and everything on it on what the Word of God calls him to do. It's exactly what we're called to do, but it's going to feel foolish sometimes. It had to feel foolish. But you know, that's what true faith is. Sometimes we have a hard time, it doesn't seem like the biblical writers do, of distinguishing faith and works. And we need to distinguish those. But the Bible is clear that a true faith obeys God. There's no such thing as a saving faith that is not then a changing faith. We're saved by faith alone, but that faith that we're saved by never remains alone. If Noah didn't build the ark, guess what? Noah dies. Because Noah didn't really believe God. A true saving faith rearranges your life. And it feels foolish to go all in at times. But that's what a true faith does. To say as a member of this church, I am going all in to gather with my family. Fellowship Bible Church. That I'm going all in to grow with this family. That I'm going all in to go with this family into the world with the gospel. I'm going in all in even to give. To give. Faith, true faith, goes all in. This is a cliched sermon illustration, but it's helpful. I'm about to go there. There was a man. You can find this on any SBC podcast probably in the world this morning. There's a story of a man who is probably isn't even true. Since it's, but uh, of a man who did a tightrope act across Niagara Falls. 
and he would walk across this tightrope, then he would come back. But then he would walk across with a wheelbarrow. He'd walk across and come back. And then he took some cinder blocks and put in that wheelbarrow and walked across. And then he would keep adding them until he like had all this weight in there, like 200 pounds, and he would just go across. And everybody is like, wow, this is awesome. And so he looks into the crowd and he says, who believes that I can take a person across this in this wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, we know you can. I weigh less than that. And then he says, well, who volunteers? Right? Crickets. Hey, that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to by faith. We can come here on Sunday morning, praise the Lord, right? Yes, he's changed my life. He's all I need this week. And then he'll call you this afternoon to get in that wheelbarrow of loving your spouse like Christ loved the church, and you're going to say, not going to do it. (laughs) Right? To show your children grace again that speaks the truth and love, to discipline them with patience and yet with passion. I can't do it anymore. I just don't believe you for that. To go to your family meal today or to fight club this week and believe God. Because some of us, we're saying we believe in Jesus, but all our faith is in another wheelbarrow. Because you're, you're, you're trusting in something to pull you through this life. Our faith totally rearranges our life if we understand it. And that can feel foolish. Imagine Noah, a hundred years doing this, preacher of righteousness, no converts. I did, I, that preacher of righteousness passage in Peter's just hit, hit me, you know, and he's building this. It's obviously, you'd think, nothing, no help, except, except his family. You know, you don't got like the community coming around, let's help you build this thing, Noah. Just being laughed at, right? Chuck Norris jokes now, Noah jokes then, <laughs> right? That, there's some of you in here this morning, you might feel like jokes to people. Feel like jokes. Man, rearranging all of my life around this? You might feel like a joke to yourself sometimes. Can seem so foolish. I remember when we moved here, it's nothing to be proud of, but when we when we sold basically everything we had to come and be a part of what we thought God was calling us to here, I remember a good friend looking at me and saying, God's really either calling you this or you're really stupid. Those are the exact words. You've got a great situation. And I still, the thing is, it's not just other people saying it. Sometimes I think, am I stupid? There's going to be times if you're not already there when being a part of a missional community, it just feels stupid. It just feels foolish. Do I really have to live life on life with people? Do I really have to live life in community, life on mission? You know, everybody in here, you know there's an easier way to do this. I probably shouldn't tell you. But (laughs) do you realize you can go be a part of another church and not really have to do anything? Not have to change? You just show up there on Sunday morning if you'll give a little, you'll be like the man. <laughs> and you can have this neat, tidy schedule, right? 
Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'll check those off. And I, I am like super Christian. But you better believe what we're calling you to here, not because we're calling you to more that God calls you to, but to what He calls you to. Jesus is calling you to rearrange your whole life around Him. Telling you, you need to feel that weight. And you need to be ready. It's going to feel dumb some days. And here is Noah working board after board after board for a hundred plus years. And that's what you're called to do, to live by faith board after board after board and for yourself, for your marriage, for your fight club, for your missional community, for your church, for your everyday life, board by board by board. And no doubt, some of you in here this morning, you are thinking about hanging up the hammer. Right? I ain't seeing nothing. Seeing nothing, God. But we've got to remember that boards come before boats. Sometimes years and years and years and years of boards. But you know, faith isn't foolish because, because faith in the true God is our only hope. It's the only worth really life worth living because as you read through these chapters, the flood does come. It comes and the judgment is great and we could only imagine the screams, the yells of everyone who laughed. And every nail of faith was worth it then. His house stood firm in the storm. The only life that we can live that is worth living, even if sometimes it feels ignorant, is a life lived wholly, leaning fully by faith in the God of the gospel. Because you know what? Noah steps out of that ark into a new creation. But he only steps out by faith into a new earth, into a new and renewed purpose of God. Faith isn't foolish because it rearranges our lives. Faith isn't foolish because it's the only way to build a life that lasts. The last thing we see this morning is faith feels foolish when heroes fail. We see in chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. I'm not, I'm not going to read all these. I'll just read verse 8. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you. So he established this covenant with Noah, this covenant with the creation. Verse 11, he, he says that he's never going to destroy the earth again in this way. And then in verse 13, he gives them the sign. He says, I've set my bow in the cloud, what we know of as the rainbow, to be a sign of the covenant between me and you. But if you'll keep reading down after this great covenant is made, this covenant of gracious preservation of the world so that God's purposes in salvation would come to pass in the ultimate new creation and recreation and renewal of all things. We see this, though, about Noah. Verse 20, Noah became a man of the soul and he planted a vineyard. So here he goes out to fulfill God's purposes, to rule over the earth, to multiply it, to fill it, to have dominion over it. Verse 21, and he drank of the wine and became drunk and laid uncovered in his tent. So let's translate that for Arkansas, right? He passed out, but just plastered, right? 
There's Noah. Let's be like Noah, kids. <laughs> All right. Today's object lesson, a case of natural light. Let's go for it. <laughs> See, Noah's not what's holding this story together. I don't know what you've heard or what you think. Noah is not the hero of this story. Yes, God gave favor to Noah. Noah found favor in God's eyes and God's grace was at work in Noah. And Noah did believe God. And Noah did obey God. And Noah is an example in many ways in this text of what a living faith should look like. That's why the book of Hebrews says, here is Noah. By faith he lived this life. But we see Noah needed God's salvation as much as anyone else. The story, the hero of this story is God. Is God. Notice verse 21. Because you've got to see this in chapter 8. I'm looking in chapter 9. Chapter 8, verse 21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, so Noah offers a sacrifice to God, a sign of his trust in God. And he says, God says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Never again will I strike down everything living creatures I've did. Notice right in the middle of that. This is after the flood has happened. Okay? And what is said, the same thing that was said before the flood happened. Is it up there? For still the intention of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Humanity's still evil after the flood. But God says, I'm not going to deal with it that way again. And so he makes this covenant, which is a big deal that we don't have time to go into, a binding promise relationship with Noah and even with all of creation that he will preserve it until a greater day of salvation comes. And so he puts the rainbow in the clouds as a sign that his judgment for sin won't look like this again. That he promises humanity and all creation to see it through to the end. That although what he's done in the flood is just... He will give a new sign pointing to a greater salvation and judgment to come. And how does all this happen? It all happens because we have a better Noah. A true and better Noah. You see, Noah was a great example of faith, but Noah was not able to fulfill the hype that he was called to. In chapter 5, in verse 29, we see this call. It says that Lamech lived 120, 182 years. He fathered a son and he called his name Noah. So this is what Noah, the hopes of Noah is. Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from the work and from the painful tool of our hands. And he's passed out drunk. See, faith in Noah will not save you. It won't. Faith in your morals won't save you. Faith in the leaders of this church won't save you. Hey, we know it. We've been a part of churches. What? Some kind of horrible thing happens. There's some kind of church split. And a lot of people, what, end up in other churches? But you know where a lot of people end up? At home on the couch. They're like, this is all fake. This is all fake. Noah's fake, Right? Yeah, they're excited for a while. It ain't going to last. So I'm not getting in on that anymore. If you put your faith in leaders, if you put your faith in other people, and even if you put your faith in yourself, guess what? You will be let down. 
But you will find very quickly through the grace of God, your faith was in the wrong place. If your faith is in these characters in the Bible, if your faith is in characters in this church, it will not hold. The object of our faith is what is primary. If you want your faith to hold so that you can live a life when it feels like nobody else cares, when you can live a life by faith when it feels like God doesn't care, when you can live a life by faith when it rearranges and messes up everything, then you've got to put your eyes on Jesus every day. Jesus, the true and better Noah, who didn't just live in a world that couldn't care less about God, but he willingly entered that world to rescue it. Who didn't just walk with God in a world of evil, but walked as God into a world of evil. Who didn't just know that God was grieving over sin, but he himself looked over the city that he came to save, and he wept over that city. Who went into a garden to die for our sins, and cried and cried and cried over what was going to take place for their rescue. A Jesus who didn't just trust God enough to build an ark to save his family but carried his own cross, his own wood, as it were, to save the world. Board by board, step by step, nail by nail by faith. Who wasn't just mocked in life, but ridiculed to death. Yeah, you're the son of God. By his enemies, and he turns around to look for his friends, and they've all betrayed him. Jesus, who didn't just endure the flood of God's judgment when the rains fell on the world and it was judged, but who on the cross endured the tsunami of God's wrath for the sins of the world. And this is where the rainbow's important. And I've never thought of this before I studied this. Take the rain off of the rainbow, and what is it? A bow. Okay, so y'all are thinking that should have been obvious to you. It wasn't. Rainbow is a bow, like, right, bow you hunt with. Back then, not just a bow you hunt with, a bow that you overcome your enemies with. And this point is debated by many, but this, the, the conclusion of it's true is that where is the rainbow pointed after this great judgment of the earth? It's pointed to heaven. To heaven. Because whereas in the flood God poured His judgment out on the world in this great sign of His power, the next time that He poured out judgment upon the world so that it would be renewed, it would be on His Son. He hung His bow up, as it were, until the day that He would redeem and renew all things through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So that we could hear there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. And one day everything will be made new. Jesus just didn't walk out of the flood of God's judgment. But walked out with the power to change. To give you the spirit to enable God's demand. To not spiral away from God. But spiral up to God in love and peace and joy. He didn't just enter into a new creation, but emerged as the Lord of creation. He's a better Noah who gives us a better gospel to hope in. Because we don't only just get to look back to the flood to see God's faithfulness. We look back to the cross. And we live by faith. He cares. He cares that much. And He is with us. Jesus is a better Noah because He's also a better ark. 
that we can hide in and live in and love in until the day we step out into glory. And Jesus wasn't just a preacher of righteousness in the past, but He is calling you today. If you're here today and you have put your faith in Bible characters, if you put your faith in your own faith, Jesus is calling you today to put your faith in Him, the only faith that will hold the storms of this world and the judgment to come. You see, faith isn't foolish because Jesus didn't fail. He's not failing you, and He never will. Father, we thank You so much for this good news. God, we confess that we often want to just quit it often feels like it's not worth it. But Lord, help us to take our eyes off ourselves and our situations and put them on Jesus. Help us to behold Him so that we are changed. And so that it, even if some, sometimes we're on our knees, God, it feels like just scraping along. That you're with us, you're for us, and our faith is not in vain. In Jesus' name, amen.